Welcome to the murder circus, young Frankenstein, and congratulations, you just became the main event. Frankenstein's monster. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to New Byland, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T. And I'm Professor Z. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of it as learning in luxury. Noob? Yes, Professor? Tell the rest of the class your name, what you're here to learn about, and... I don't know, how's your day going? Uh, my name is Mac. I'm here to learn about magic in the Marvel Universe. My day's pretty good. 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 That's nice to hear. I always <laughs> like that. With that in mind, Professor Z, what's our lesson for today? The undead, I guess? Spooky. Spooky. Yeah, okay, so this was originally going to be two different episodes, and neither one was shaping up to be a good, complete episode. So we are kind of mixing... Zombies, so this mostly Simon Garth, although we'll also talk about Zuvembies. Zuvembies. We I don't know if we'll bring up Zuvembies too much. Um, as a quick note, back in the day, the Comics Code Authority created was a self-created rating and requirement system for comics. Mm. Uh, it was created after congressional hearings about how comics were destroying the youth in the nineteen fifties. Uh, it, it was connected to the Red Scare. McCarthyism was straight up part of this. But the comic companies were and put hardcore requirements on uh, horror comics. Gotcha. So they could single-handedly destroy one of the biggest comic companies that was challenging all the rest of them. EC never recovered. So one way Marvel got around it, because you literally could not mention zombies was they summoned Zuvembis. Because it did not technically say zombie. It's kind of cute. <laughs> it's not really going to come up here. It is the single greatest fact about anything involving zombies and comic books. So, yes. Uh, we will be covering today the various Black Talons. Two of them will be getting about a paragraph each at the most. We will be covering Simon Garth, the self-named... Zombie, if you're talking about zombies in Marvel before Marvel Zombies, you were talking about Simon. And we will also be talking about Frankenstein's monster, because I wanted to fit him in somewhere, and he was going to take up more room than I wanted for our uh, Legion of Monsters next episode. I just realized I have one little addition to the whole Zuvembi talk. Please. And they were partially able to get away with it because there was precedent they didn't just make up zuvembi really i didn't know that i thought they were just being really sassy zuvembi comes from a robert e howard short story called pigeons from hell i'm sorry pigeons from hell pigeons from hell <laughs> i love robert e howard i've never read much of his straight-up horror i've only read his like 
sword and sorcery, which is usually pretty horror-based, but... Uh, it was published in Weird Tales in 1938. Um, in the story, a woman can become a Zuvembi by drinking the black brew. The resulting creature is no longer human, knowing no friend or relative. It cannot talk or think like a human. It doesn't need to eat and will live forever, staying in a cave or an old house. It has certain powers. It can command owls, bats, snakes, pigeons, and werewolves. It can hypnotize living with its voice and command the body of someone it has killed until the body is cold. It can only be killed by lead or iron. Okay, so that's a stretch to have turned that into the zombies that they made for that, but... But it's, it's close there, enough yeah. that I get it, like... Now, I don't think Black Talon here was the guy that summoned Zuvembis. No. I will... I'll try to have that information for you next week. I, I completely forgot about Zuvembis until this. It is fun to say, though. I'll give it that. Also, as a fair warning... We are going to be discussing zombies, which means we will often be discussing Vudan and Haitians. And this is comics from the 60s and 70s, so it can be a little racist. Just getting that out there. We're going to go through the Black Talons first. Which actually, if there were the Black Talons and it was multiple of them, would sound way cooler. The first one is actually unconnected to the others. That is... Possibly the most racist thing we'll talk about, but it's a wild little story, so we're going to go through them real fast. The first Black Talon was Pascal Horta, a painter who lost his hand in an auto accident. Undergoing experimental surgery, he was given the hand of an African-American serial killer named Strangler Burns, who had been put to death. The serial killer blood in his new hand overcame Horta's peaceful nature and drove him to commit serial murder. <laughs> okay. Not how I was expecting this to start. He then but... went on to battle Captain America. <laughs> Sweet. That's it. That's all I got. The, oh, oh, all right. You know what? I mean, it would be fun. I've heard of various other versions of the story. It's the fact that they had to make sure that it, you were known that it was a black serial killer is why he went. Like, I don't know if they were like, it's because he was black. That the blood turned him evil because serial killer blood. blood. Or like, or if it was just, he's a serial killer. Who was black? Which is not great either. Anyways, I got a new hand and it's making me murder is basically the plot of Evil Dead 2. And idle hands. Yes. And idle hands. I guess that wasn't a new hand, but... It wasn't I mean, a hand. What was... I mean, it was his hand, but it got possessed by the devil. Oh, okay. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know of it, I just have never... Yeah. Okay, so the second Black Talon, who will get also an extremely short amount of attention here, was a Voodoo priest who could uh, create and control zombies. He wears a costume which resembles a chicken. It's, it's true. It, As it we does. Saw. Mm -hmm. yep. Nope, that was the good upgraded costume. As we saw. <laughs> oh, so that's the third one. Uh, it had an upside-down cross painted on his chest. He was a millionaire and Voodoo witch doctor and posed as a living loa to carry out the plans of his mother, Mama Limbo. He battles and became the enemy of Brother Voodoo. However, he's later exposed as an imposter and beaten to death by his own cultists. Metal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm down with that. 
Dun, 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 dun. Now, Burn, <laughs> burned in a trash can fire or beaten to death by your own cultist. Which One sadder, but also, well, actually, when you take into account... I'd rather burn it. That he has a... I mean, because you can see his costume. It is, like, Superman, like, underwear and pants and stuff, but with a darker blue. And then an all-blue cape with a cloak on the top with like a chicken thing and then an upside down cross just really on his bare chest i like it so when you add he was wearing that while beaten to death by his own people mm. that i think makes it rival dr druid it's like a pinata until then <laughs> dr druid set on fire what's wrong with that is <laughs> is more sad <laughs> He died happy. Not like tragic, just kind of sad. He did not die happy. <laughs> you don't know. No, we read that book. <laughs> he it's calculated. He's coming back. Oh, he did. Yeah, I know. Calculated a couple of times. <laughs> the third but black old. <laughs> the third black talon was a professional criminal and cult leader, much like the original. He resurrected Wonder Man, a.k.a. Simon Williams, a.k.a. a member of the Avengers, at the behest of Simon's younger brother, the evil Grim Reaper, who is basically a man with a uh, Reaper blade for a hand that shoots lasers that comes back from the dead a lot. He's dead about a solid 60% of the time. So when you say a reaper blade for his hand... Yes, I mean like a full scythe blade hand. But like, lasers. But like, if he's holding his hand out, does the blade like come down? No. Look, you guys, you gotta look this up. It's a full... It's oh. a full Oh, I hate that. Blade. What's with their... And then he's also got weird like galactus horns coming out of his... What's with their fascination of weird hands? Yeah, this is somehow worse than the gun hand, and I am very vocal on how much I hate. They're so much dang more dangerous because their hand is a gun. No, they're so much more dangerous if their hand can hold a gun and then also do other things. The fact that it's just like a scythe, like, sticking out. Yeah, is no, somehow it's not worse. like a sword hand. It's not like the stupid Shang-Chi villain. That would probably be more useful than that, though. Yeah. The scythe is the least effective. It's not a weapon. Like, how do you... <laughs> They're both... It's an audio medium, so you guys can't see it. They are both mimicking... <laughs> scythe arms. Scything things with you. Especially His the scythe... shoulder would get so screwed up from how far back he would have to reach to make that point line up with it. Well, and yeah. it's not... The scythe is not a stabby weapon. No. It's meant for Pulling. cutting... Yeah, you pull it, and it cuts grass. But because of that, like... Because normally, if you're holding it, like... The Grim you Reaper, have that like, the actual Grim Reaper, handle. the quote-unquote actual, like, the, you know, de Avatar of Death, the scythe was originally supposed to be symbolic. It was, mm -hmm. you know, cutting the wheat. And as we moved away from people using scythes, people were like, oh, so it's just a super sweet weapon. And we're like, no. 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 Just use a spear. It's going to be a hundred times more effective. Yeah. If you're a farmer and somebody's charging your farm, it's a great improvised weapon. If you don't have a spear. If you don't have a spear. Or but gun. a sledgehammer, well, we're talking back in the day. Oh, a sword. A sledgehammer is probably still going to be more useful. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> but at least, like, it has that extra handle so that, like, you're only coming back to here and then sw- scything it around. Again, and this it's is doing an auto f- medium. I know, but, like, <laughs> it's designed so that you can actually make use of the scythe blade. Where he's at, he's having to, like... Mm-hmm. Um, Go way back. I looked into talking about the Grim Reaper deeper here, but he's not, for the most part, a magical character, despite the fact that he's dead more often than not, from what I can tell. Isn't Strange a Reaper at the... or was a Reaper a little Th- while ago? That, that's different than being the Grim Reaper. Fair. Which is Fair. different than being the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Or the Sorcerer Supreme of Death. Or Death Sorcerer Supreme. Death Sorcerer Supreme versus a Grim Reaper, which is closer to a Grim Reaper. Steven would still lose. (laughs) Closer to... (laughs) Okay. Anyways, we might later cover the Lethal Legion just as a, like, fun side episode or something like that. But Because it's mostly dead people forming supervillain teams. But since it tends to be more Avengers-related than magic-related, we're just... Anyways. But going back to Black Talon, he wa- he revived Wonder Man as a zombie at the behest of the Grim Reaper, because the Grim Reaper is Wonder Man's younger brother, who got pissed off and became a supervillain after Wonder Man was killed. However, as soon as he successfully revived his brother, like four times, he just went to, well, now I have to kill my brother. It's okay. just, it, 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 he's bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, he's a bad villain, but not like a bad villain. He's a bad guy. He's just bad. But he's not a bad guy. He's bad at being bad. <laughs> they sent the uh, Wonder Man zombie to attack the Avengers. The Black Talon will later battle the Avengers himself and is defeated by the Scarlet Witch. He then joins the second Lethal Legion with the Grim Reaper and Necra, uh, who is a... He's the vampire woman that Damon Hellstrom... She is the vampire woman that Damon Hellstrom resurrected to seduce Druid to help burn him. Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I hate that that made sense. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to burn him in a dumpster. I've been around too long. She's a vampire mutant. Yes. Anyways, they battle Vision and Scarlet Witch. Under the Grim Reaper's orders, he attempts a recreation of Simon Williams as a zombie, again. With the man-ape, Black Talon deserts the Lethal Legion during a battle with the West Coast Avengers. Necra learns the Black Talon's voodoo rites, and she later uses them on two occasions to resurrect the Grim Reaper as a zombie. Basically, these three just have, this might be a little more blue than I usually use in this sentence, or in this show, but a zombie circle jerk thing going on there. I'm sorry for saying that out loud. It makes sense. While battling the She-Hulk, Black Talon forms the X-Humed, X-H-U-M-E-D, from four dead mutants, Changeling, Scaleface, Living Diamond, and Harry Leland. I'm not sure if I love that or hate it. <laughs> I thought... Of you, the moment that I that I read, that. I'm kind of dying inside, but with a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> However, it backfires because he was unable to control all of them at once, and Changeling was able to break his hold long enough for the She-Hulk to triumph. Hmm. It's not really said anywhere, but it seems like uh, undead superheroes have more power than case in point, Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, in the strange book that we read. Anyways. Ah, yes. We did not read that. That we, You and I read that on our own time. Yeah. I should stop talking about <laughs> this on the podcast. No. 
<laughs> Later on, the Black Talon will fight Deadpool, who viciously mocks him for his chicken costume. <laughs> yep. Black right. Talon will return uh, in Marvel Zombies 4, which we read, having technically retired from supervillainy, instead to become a cocaine dealer and selling to the hood. Which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Honestly, he's better at it. Yeah. Talon comes across the zombie, Simon Garth, carrying the zombie head of Deadpool and offers to sell it to the hood. This goes terribly for every single person involved. Black Talon later appears in full supervillain uh, regalia when he uses zombies to attack Times Square as part of a revenge scheme against the Avengers, I guess deciding to go back to supervillainy after being a cocaine dealer that sold zombies to the hood almost got the world destroyed. Well, his cocaine farm got rained on by blood, so... Uh, Zombie blood. It doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, I think it's easier to create a second cocaine farm than it is to... Create an army of zombies to invade Times Square. But one of those is more flashy. <laughs> Anyways, this goes badly because instead of the Avengers showing up, the Punisher does and shoots him in the chest. Uh oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the worst That outcome. sucks. <laughs> Don't screw around with zombies in the Punisher's neighborhood. Crit fail. <laughs> Blacktown will later appear alive again uh, as a member of the Shadow Council's incarnation of the Masters of Evil. Probably because the writer of that might not have realized that uh, Black Talon was dead. A lot of people came uh, back to life unexpectedly because they had been killed off in a si side thing. And the Shadow Council's Masters of Evil was most supervillains. If you weren't big name enough to tell them no, you were there. So mm. a lot of people appeared, you know, in the background. After being attacked by Alex Wilder, Tombstone recovers and enlists Black Talon to rescue Mr. Fish from hell. Mr. Fish is a Luke Cage villain. Mm, okay. He's a low-level Harlem crime leader. Black Talon later resurfaces in a small strip mall in New York, where, during a Halloween walkathon, he turns a group of dead senior citizens into zombies. He encounters Deadpool, who laughs when he sees an old photo of him due to the chicken head of his costume, making this the third time that Deadpool has made fun of him for this chicken costume, if we include Headpool from mm -hmm. this. Which Talon removes. It's later revealed the Black Talon's attack on the mall was part of a plan to help his grandmother win the walkathon, though his grandmother only wanted to win the race. During the battle, Black Talon's grandmother manages to convince him to stop, forcing him to retreat. That's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that those people he turned to as zombies were already dead, and that he didn't just kill old people and turn them into zombies. It's a Deadpool comic. He probably killed a bunch of old people. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> This brings us to Simon Garth, a.k.a. The Zombie, who is just a zombie with kind of long hair and a lot of times a vest. And a necklace. And a necklace. There's a whole amulet thing going on. Going by the various aliases of Dead Dude, Mr. Dead Guy, Mr. Mummy, and Mr. Stinky, and just Sai. <laughs> I think mostly all from the stuff that we read. I don't usually do the aliases, but I looked at those and went... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stinky. <laughs> He's dead. He probably doesn't smell good. That's like the name of a cat. <laughs> hey, oh, that's Mr. a good name for a cat. Yeah, Mr. I like Stinky. That. Simon Garth was a highly successful businessman and well-known public figure who was, um... Well, a highly successful businessman and well-known public figure, so he sucked. Mm. 
known for treating his employees ruthlessly. So yeah, he just he he was a one percenter. His gardener, Gyps. Wow. Interesting. Really sorry. <laughs> Vowed to get his revenge on his employer for his years of mistreatment and recent firing. Mm -hmm. Kidnapping Garth, Gyps stabs him to death with a pair of garden shears in the bayou near New Orleans. Not satisfied by Garth's relatively quick death, however, he turns the corpse over to a nearby Voodon cult and forces the Voodon V. Is that VN? I am. It, it, no, it's a, a, a priestess title. Um, I don't know. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you yeah. usually yeah, know yeah, the answer yeah, no, when no, I'm no, asking? No, I, in this case, what, how's it spelled? Uh, V-I-E-N-N-E. -N -N -E. Yeah, I've never seen that, yeah. Basically, the local voodoo queen, Layla, to turn Garth into a zombie. Layla also happened to be Garth's secretary. <laughs> also, I will re be referring to the other character just as the gardener from now on, because I don't want to say that again. God, every time I look at the art from this book, it's always gorgeous. This is the one we were talking about that I wanted to read, but uh, I was not going to pay, like, a thousand dollars to collect it all. Okay. Uh, Layla, who also happened to be Gar's secretary, calls upon Dambala, the serpent god, who is the most powerful of the Loa, a.k.a. the gods of voodoo. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's kind of how it was mm. summarized in the book of the era. And with the aid of matching talismans, resurrects the corpse of her former employee as a mindless zombie. One of the two amulets is placed around Garth's neck, the other was given to the gardener. Using the amulet, the gardener could control the zombie. Finally, when the gardener tries to force Garth to kidnap his own daughter, a remaining portion of the spirit of the man he once was enabled the, gar er, the zombie to resist his master despite the amulet, and uh, Garth kills him. For two years, Simon Garth walks the earth as a zombie, controlled by various people who had the possession of the mystic amulet. Among them were a chemist named Philip Bliss, a hoongan named Papa Shorty, and a fireman named Fred Miller. At the command of Miller's friend Dora Katz, Garth struck Layla, severely injuring her. Layla being the secretary slash voodoo priestess. Now, this sentence was only said in one spot. I found nothing about it anywhere else, so it just comes out of the new, out of the blue. Layla still loved Garth, and with the aid of a friendly Hoongan named Papa Doc, she undertook a difficult voodoo ritual by which her ebbing life essence was mystically transferred to Garth. I guess she was in love with the zombie man. Don't know if that was before or after he became a zombie man. I don't know. Gross. I guess. Rigor mortis. Like, look, man, I'm not one to <laughs> yuck someone's yum, but that one, I'm going to yuck it. That's gross. Which is why I hope that's canon. You're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> As Layla dies, Simon Garth returns to life for a period of 24 hours. In that time, Garth manages to put all of his affairs in order, making up in some way to various people who he had slighted during his first life. Garth then became a zombie once more and was buried by Papa Doc. That was the end of the original series. Death, however, doesn't really last for really anyone in the Marvel Universe, but particularly a guy who is just known as the zombie. zombie. Years pass, and Simon once again rises from his grave. The ambulance of Dambala that he had worn for so many years was gone, and he instinctively began seeking it out. His search brought him to New York City, where he uh, accidentally discovers the amulet in the possession of Daily Bugle employee, employee Glory Grant. Not sure why Glory Grant has the uh, 
Dumbala amulet. amulet of Dumbala. <laughs> she is J. Jonah Jameson's press secretary. For now. Not, yeah. not really sure. She did date a, a South American crime lord for a while. So that... I don't know if it's connected to them. But... Maybe she found that's it. That's a problematic storyline that could have been written by Gary Conway. Love you, Gary Conway. You're one of my favorite writers, but... <laughs> There's some stuff from the 70s and 80s that you wrote that didn't always land. Anyways, but the amulet was infused with the spirit of the villainous Calypso, a.k.a. the sometimes lover of Craven, and also a voodoo queen, who had possessed Glory and forced her to do her bidding while seeking the amulet, the zombie ran afoul of Spider-Man. The two fought, but he ultimately reclaimed the amulet and returned to his restless slumber. Later, a wealthy student of the arcane named kelsey pierce look man if you're a student of the arcane it's probably assumed you're already rich yeah it's how most people afford to do it you don't get a lot of money studying grimoires so you're rich your character's name is kelsey pierce like kelsey grammar and david hyde pierce i, <laughs> I don't know when this book came out so that's entirely possible, and I'm kind of mad about it. And if not, that's just kind of creepy that this one predicted Frasier. Just going to throw that out there. Don't like that. Headcanon. Anyways, Kelsey Pierce acquires one of the amulets and offers it to the vampire Lilith Drake, the daughter of Dracula, in the hope that she would reciprocate by turning him into a vampire. Lilith accepts the gift, but instead just kills him. She just kills him. Doesn't turn him into a vampire. Murder. Because we've met Lilith Drake. She's not reliably a good person. That's nah. also the Dracula family MO is, here, I'm here to help you. Thanks. And then they Murder. kill you. <laughs> With the amulet, she takes control of Simon Garth and uses him as her servant, forcing him to attack innocents and drag them back to her lair. During this time, Donna Garth, a.k.a. his daughter, hires vampire investigator Hannibal King to find the amulets and bring her father back to New Orleans. King's investigation leads him to New York, where he finds himself teaming up with Spider-Man in order to take down Lilith. The two are unsuccessful in defeating her, but King does manage to steal the amulet and brought both the talisman and the zombie back to New Orleans. Nice. Okay. She invented Uber Eats before Uber Eats was actually a thing. The zombie turns up again years later. His remains were found beneath the wreckage of a building destroyed by a fire and taken to Gerber Hospital. Mm. Steve Gerber being the person who wrote the original stories. Most of the original stories. He rose from the morgue table and escapes, only to return shortly after an altercation with a gang and a police officer. The zombie then took a decomposing body from the morgue and returned to the grave with her. Every part of this episode is bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are is. talking about zombies. <laughs> I hate zombies so much. <laughs> we should have just stayed with the Zufambis. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to leave this world behind, boys. The zombies later recruited by Phil Coulson to join his incarnation of the Howling Commandos in order to combat Dormammu's mindless plague. This brings us to Frankenstein's monster. Woo! Yay! The first few issues of which were just the recreation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yep. Uh, Dracula had proved popular and so had Werewolf by Night. So they're like, all right, what do we got next? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Similar to how Manphibian came about, but he didn't really catch on. In this. I wonder why. We'll, we'll talk about him later. Mummy? 
Encanto the Living Mummy. Mm -hmm. We will also talk about him later. In 1788, Victor Frankenstein, giant head, left his family estate in Geneva, Switzerland. <laughs> Look, Victor Frankenstein <laughs> is the worst. It's fair. Oh, I just, I would, I just immediately thought of like if he was doing a television interview though, and his the Chiron <laughs> under his name. Giant Head. Instead of mad scientist, <laughs> raging. Head. I'm sorry, one is more accurate than the other, but both are accurate. Anyways, he leaves his family estate in Geneva, Switzerland, to study natural science at the University of Ingolstadt. While there, he becomes obsessed with the idea of recreating life from dead tissue and begins robbing graveyards in order to acquire body parts. He stitches the various body parts together and subjects the patchwork creature to chemical treatments and electrosis. Frankenstein succeeds in bringing his creation to life. However, he realizes that maybe that was a bad idea, and horrified by the creature's grotesque features, Victor abandons his creation and returns to Geneva, the monster's left to fend for himself. The creature wanders the forest for days and nearly dies of starvation. He eventually comes upon a grizzly bear, which he beats to death. Oh, whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> After consuming the raw meat, he skins the carcass and fashions a makeshift coat, which he will continue to wear for several years. And by several years, I mean... Forever. Most of his appearances, he has a fur coat that I did not know was because he punched a bear to death. It says wrestled, but I'm just going to go with punched. That's how they usually express wrestling in those old comics. Also, the guy... <laughs> I'm going to create this monster. I'm going to take body parts from the ground from other people. Man, you're ugly. I don't want you around anymore. What a surprise that you're ugly. <laughs> Guess I'm going to peace out. I'm going to go back to Geneva where this would be illegal. Giant <laughs> head. <laughs> also, this is before the Geneva Convention, so it... You know what? No. It's... Well, I don't know, actually. Sliding time. Grave robbing. Not with this part. <laughs> <laughs> It's still illegal. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, honestly, uh, grave robbing was ethically odd for a long time because it was a standard way of getting uh, autopsies. bodies for autopsies. Mm -hmm. It eventually had to be written down that it wasn't illegal to steal the body. It was illegal to steal the stuff with the body. So you would find a bunch of empty graves with just, like, jewelry in it. Sweet. Orbit fact for the day. Done. Easier for me to come by and get the jewelry. <laughs> I know, it's fun, though. And free jewelry. No stinky bodies. You just get down to the, like, <laughs> you get down to the casket, you knock, oh, this one sounds hollow. <laughs> Either he's decomposed or the body's gone. Just take a step. Which, I mean, sucks because it's actually worth more to sell the cadaver to the medical hospital than it was. Well, I'm not selling the jewelry. Yeah, that... Uh... I'm just going to wear all of it. No, still illegal! <laughs> that is stealing! <laughs> They're from dead. the corpse, that it is not illegal to steal. You're going to be the grave robber, Mr. T. <laughs> just at night, you're going to hear clinking of all the chains and jewelry and stuff as they walk through the graveyard. This actually went on until a set of serial killers got bored stealing bodies and just started making their own. I mean, mm -hmm. businessmen, if you ask me. Asking <laughs> them, too. Cut out they the middleman. with you. <laughs> yeah, literally. Usually by cutting the middleman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God. Anyways, Victor Frankenstein. Well, just the monster. The monster continues wandering the countryside, doing his best to avoid human contact. The entire time, however, he nurses a hatred for the man responsible for his miserable existence. Same. Victor Frankenstein. Fair. 
See, it's been a long time since I read the original Frankenstein. I don't remember the monster hating him so much as being like, just love me. You made me. Yeah. But whatever. M most this adaptations, version, though, it's I feel like... It's mm -hmm. hatred. It's what you have programmed me to do. Eventually, his wanders bring him to a small cottage owned by the DeLacy family. The monster observes the family for several days and finds out that the family patriarch was an old blind man. He was a being who would not shriek in horror at the monster's grotesque form. The monster conceals himself in a stable for several days until he has a chance to catch the old man alone. As luck would have it, a wolf has entered the cottage and threatened to kill old DeLacy. The monster rose to his rescue and kills the beast, and slowly nurses DeLacy back to health. Before long, however, DeLacy's children return to their cottage and mistake the monster for a savage murderer. Shouting their lamentations, they chase the monster away from the house back into the woods. My only problem with this stuff is young Frankenstein has permanently ruined the Frankenstein story to me, and so I just think of the Gene Hackman scene. Fair. That's really funny. In fairness, one of the best scenes of that movie. God, I love young Frankenstein. Eventually, the creature finds his way to Geneva, where he learns that his creator's family lived. Still nursing a deep-seated hatred for all things Frankenstein, he decides to exact his revenge by murdering Victor's younger brother, William. To further compound the tragedy, he frames Frankenstein's servant, Justine Moritz, for the crime. Justine is sentenced and hanged for the crime, but Victor knew that the true murderer of poor William was his own pathetic creation. And he didn't... he didn't... Actually, that servant didn't do anything. Um. How do you go, hey, by the way, it wasn't Justine. It was the zombie man that I created through a combination of chemicals and electrolysis and creative grave digging. Creative grave digging. <laughs> <laughs> That's just hard to... You could just be like, I know it wasn't her. I can't tell you who it was. I think he's rich. I don't think he's that level of rich. He could leave. <laughs> it's family and go. Yeah, but she was already arrested. In fairness, a lot of stories of escaping uh, jails at that time was gave the guy whiskey and he purposely drank it all and went to bed and we just left with her in the night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That happened a lot back you in the day. tie up ropes to the bars and you put it on a horse and you just make the horse go until the bars pop out of the wall. Yeah, but this is Victor Frankenstein, so he would have had to gather all the pieces of the dead horses to combine them. Wait for the next lightning storm. <laughs> oh, man. As we've, as we've said his name a couple times, I just remembered something. I think it's funny, like, they decided to go with Frankenstein because they had a hit with Dracula. They're like, cool, what other universal properties are people already familiar with? Yeah, we've already done the Wolfman. Yeah. Um, by night. The universal Frankenstein movie makes a weird change that I'm now like having a hard time not laughing at. The doctor's name in the movie isn't Victor like it is in the novel. Victor's his buddy that is like the cool guy that kind of gets away cool in the end. Dr. Frankenstein's name in the 1931 movie is Henry. Hank Frankenstein. Hankenstein. Yeah. Delicious. Everything about this episode is bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hankenstein is... Not the episode itself. I'm having a good time. But every time we speak, I get a little more sad. <laughs>
About Hankenstein? About a lot of things. Hankenstein's monster. Oh my god, I'm so sorry I said that. Oh. <laughs> oh god, we're gonna call this episode Hankenstein. I can just feel it. <laughs> Victor, aka Hank, met with the monster the second time in a mountain cave far to the north of the family estate. The monster told him of his experiences and demands that Victor use his scientific prowess to create a mate for him. Victor feels like he has little choice but to acquiesce, so he sets upon creating a female version of the Frankenstein monster. The monster keeps a close vigil over Victor's work, and even assists him by providing a fresh human heart for the creation. I'm assuming Victor just didn't ask too much, but thought it was weird that it was fresh, because that's not really how Victor tends to roll. Do you have a heart? Yes, don't ask. <laughs> 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 Wasn't gonna know what we're up to here. Do you think Victor at any point, because he's a massive <laughs> head, was like, do you want to be a matching set? Because, you know, you're kind of an uggo. It's <laughs> <laughs> so terrible, Late true. 18th century dialogue would have used uggo specifically, too, so... <laughs> I say so. <laughs> Victor brings the second creature to life, but was so disgusted by the sight of it that he immediately destroys it before it had taken its first breath. Oh, so he did make him a matching set. <laughs> He's like, that's too much even for me. <laughs> Victor needs to, like, I don't know, watch some modern shows, maybe even to Elephant Man. Like, it doesn't have to be that modern. But he knows what he's making, so why, when he's done, is he like... Oh no. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Because <laughs> he has to template. I've been working on it for like a month, but I guess now that it's breathing, that's bad. That's real bad. It's, I mean, Zach, you're, you're an artist. How many sketches do you not like? He just does that with people. People parts. That, that's, you, you get how that works, right? Oh yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Man, we had a coworker that like, cause I'll just free draw, just doodle. And I'll just throw them away because they tend to not be good because that's not the point. I'm just keeping my hands busy. She was taking my drawings out of the trash being like, I'm going to keep them forever. And I was like, one, creepy. Two, please don't. <laughs> like, outraged because he helped make the mate, presumably killed someone because of, again, fresh human heart, only to see it immediately murdered by his head dad. He satisfies his need for revenge by killing Victor's close friend, Henry Clerval. Did they just reverse it? They just reversed it. Wild. Wild. He then tracks down Victor and his new bride, Elizabeth, on their wedding night and brutally murders her as well. What? You're, he... So you're telling me he made, he made the lady, killed the lady, left, got married. He, he left? Alive. When Frankenstein was watching him the entire time and got married. I know the, like, truism is, uh, the doctor was the real monster all along, but in this one, they both are. Yeah. He sucks. Yeah. I'm so confused by the <laughs> sequence of events here. It's wild. Maybe he, like, killed the lady Frankenstein and then just, like... Booked it. Booked it, yeah. While he was Peace. being like, oh, come on. Peace, Uggo. Oh, my God, you were fresh. <laughs> oh, my God. He's he yelling as he's running away. Oh, buddy. Okay. He kills his wife. <laughs> Damn you, Uggo. <laughs> I'll kill your friend instead. At this point, the monster has killed the brother, the best friend, and the wife. And, and like framed the, 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 the lady. And framed Justine for it. And like, I suppose 
Also, you got a heart from somebody. I suppose that, like, these people are probably not good people considering their close relations with Victor Frankenstein, but, like, maybe the vampire, the, not the vampire, maybe the monster just has really bad aim? <laughs> you know, it's like in a Western where the guy, like, throws a punch, but the hero ducks and the other person gets hit. Yeah. Yeah. Except with, like, a machete. <laughs> <laughs> or his giant... He punched a bear to death. I don't think Elizabeth is going to be a big problem he for him. He just punches her head off. <laughs> he just turns into dust. Overcome by grief, Victor decides to track down the creature and finish him off for good. Why didn't he do that when he was in the cave? <laughs> <laughs> or when he made him. <laughs> He chases him as far as the North Pole, but by this point, Victor's health had declined significantly. Because in the original book, he's kind of just like slowly dying from going insane. It's a weird book. It's a good book. It's a weird book. Shocking news. The original Frankenstein is a good book. Oh, <laughs> I know. Anyways, he contracts pneumonia, pneumonia and passes away without ever having seen his task to conclusion. Fair. Despite his hatred for Victor, the monster is eerily distraught over the loss of his quote-unquote father. Now, he yearns for nothing more than his own destruction, if such a thing is even possible. He begins walking across the frozen plains in search of a good place to build himself a funeral pyre. As he goes, he enters warmer climates and discovers a small tribal camp. A community of brute Neanderthal men, who I guess are still alive in the late 1780s, early 1790s, discover the monster and attack him. None of them, however, could overcome the monster's strength and he easily batters them back. You know the what? I just realized I'm not going to question it when, like, the Savage Land exists. Yeah, I guess that could... He's in the North Pole! But he wants yeah. to die. Now that I say it, he might be in the Savage Land. Thank you for pointing that out. Why is he fighting people if he wants to die? Not that... Wait, because the cycle of abuse has continued from his father, and those Neanderthals are uggos, too. <laughs> I mean, oh, in, in a more non-uggo answer, it is actually not uncommon for a lot of people with a death wish to have either, like, not actually want to die, or have, like, such a weirdly specific... I can only die this way, but it's so much work. I may be uggo, but you uggo. <laughs> But you're like six uggos, so that's like that's uggo. I was gonna say squared, but that wouldn't be so like uggo six dupleted. <laughs> Anyways, the tribe's chieftain uh, recognized the great strength because he beat up all his warriors and invites the monster to stay with them, and he becomes an honorary member of their Neanderthal tribe. A few days later, however, a tribe of rival barbarians stumble upon the community and raid the camp. The monster joins forces with his Neanderthal brethren and fight back, but most of them die. The barbarian try their best to destroy the creature, but ultimately fail. During the raid, the Neanderthal chieftain is mortally injured. The monster takes the dying man and travels with him so that he could die in the tradition of his people, which I guess is being carried by a undead creature man. Man, they must not die. It just often. says by the, the way of his people, but... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> After erecting a funeral pyre for the chieftain, a massive quake erupts beneath him. The monster falls off the icy precipice and lands into a frigid water below. The extreme temperature captures Captain America's him, and he remains trapped in the ice for the next hundred years. Good for him. Next appearing in 1898. 
In January of 1898, explorer Robert Walton IV mounts an expedition to the North Pole. Walton was the great-grandson of the explorer who first encountered Victor Frankenstein in 1798. His crew and he came upon the monster... Uh, uh, frozen in the water. Walton recognizes the creature from stories passed down to him and orders it brought on board, despite having heard all of these stories. Turns out, after being encased in the ice for so long, Frankenstein's monster is now the Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going with he was Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> Poser. So, <laughs> several superstitious crew members take umbrage with this idea uh -huh. and form a mutiny. Honestly, We'll probably depict it as bad people in the comics being possibly the only rational people we've talked about in this entire episode. Yes, he. During the conflict, a fire breaks out on one of the ship's lower cabins and the intense heat thaws out Frankenstein's monster. Revived, the creature lashes out and takes a young boy, a cabin boy named Sean Farrell as a hostage. To make matters worse, Walton's ship strikes an iceberg, killing several crewmen. Both Walton and Sean Farrell pass away, but before he dies, Walton tells the creature that the last living descendant of his creator was still alive. Not sure where Frankenstein had a kid, but I guess. Also, what, what a dick move. Hey, by the way, an innocent person connected to the person who made you a century ago is still alive. Get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> terrible. Maybe then he falls into the water and does a Wilhelm scream or something? <laughs> no, that was the sixth chasm up top that died when they hit the right. iceberg. Mm -hmm. Forging a small wooden raft for himself, the monster begins a personal voyage to track down the last Frankenstein. The first leg of his journey brings him to a small hamlet in Scandinavia. There he discovers the local citizens preparing to execute a comely young woman named Lenore. Relating to Lenore's persecution, the monster rescues her only to discover that the reason the villagers tried to kill her was because she was a werewolf. Huh, okay. The monster fights with the werewolf under the light of the full moon and ultimately ends her existence using her father's silver-tipped sword. The creature okay, eventually uh, ends up in the land of his creation, Germany. Returning to Ingolstadt, he enters the dilapidated Castle Frankenstein where he discovers a misshapen horde of mindless servants. These pathetic beings were the slaves of a military man named Colonel Blackstone. Blackstone had taken residence in Castle Frankenstein and acquired a giant mutated spider that possessed the ability to steal the souls of others. What? That's a wild mutation. <laughs> also, it's huge. 50-50 <laughs> odds Dormammu or Mephisto is somehow involved Mephisto. in this. Blackstone captures the monster with the intent of having him converted into another mindless slave, but the monster manages to free himself and Blackstone is killed during the scuffle. Leaving Ingolstadt, the monster continues, you know, it doesn't mention what happens to the giant spider. That bothers him. Don't like that. <laughs> no. Giant soul stealing spider out there. <laughs> it's, just, it's just there. We're going to light that castle on fire. That's not one you take outside. You that he gets the newspaper. <laughs> that gets my my hunting rifle. Big, big newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Ling, leaving Ingolstadt, the monster continues his journey through the Bavarian countryside. There, he meets an old Romani woman named Margarita, who told him that she knew information concerning the last Frankenstein. The monster remains with Margarita for a short time until he discovers that Margarita is in fact a vampire. 
Okay. This, this whole story is wild. <laughs> Why does everyone know the, where the last Frankenstein is? Also, and also happened to be a monster. <laughs> the Marvel Universe was wild before superheroes came about. No wonder there's the Midnight Suns. <laughs> the vampire, Margarita, tricks the monster into helping her resurrect the lord of all vampires, Dracula. Enraged by her treachery, the monster slays Margarita and fights with Dracula. Dracula attempts to drink the monster's blood, but the long period of inactivity had greatly weakened the vampire and he was not prepared for a protracted battle with Frankenstein's monster. He did, however, manage to wound the monster's throat, rendering him temporarily mute. Dracula flees from the cave and returns to Transylvania. If I remember, this is also during the time that Dracula was weak from silver poisoning mm. thanks to the original Dracula the book. The shotgun. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. If you want to know more about that, listen to our Dracula episode. Moments after the battle, Vincent Frankenstein, the son of Victor's brother Ernst, enters the cave along with his hunchbacked assistant, his hunchbacked giant assistant, Ivan. Wait, so it's not even Victor's son. It's the person who Frankenstein had killed instead of Victor. What's the whole point of this? <laughs> Recognizing Vincent as the last Frankenstein, he attacks him and would likely have strangled him to death had Ivan not intervened. Ivan's strength was prodigious enough to keep the monster at bay. Frankenstein calms the monster down and tells him that he may be able to transplant his brain into a normal human body. Guess it's just a family thing at this point. The monster, though still suspicious of Vincent's motives, agrees to go back with him to England. In a basement of a London townhouse, Vincent Frankenstein prepares the monster for surgery. The creature quickly realizes that Vincent was actually planning on transplanting Ivan's brain into the monster's body. I guess so he won't be a giant hunchback anymore. Do you want to be a giant hunchback or an amalgamation of human body parts has been frozen for a thousand years? But without a hunch. A hundred years. A hundred years. But without a hunch. Also... I don't trust you, but I'm going to go into your weird basement under your house so you can strap me into a table and cut my head open. <laughs> Every plan he's had has been kill the guy next to the Frankenstein. So... <laughs> Fair. Anyways, realizing that this would uh, basically be the end of the monster's life, in a moment of selflessness, selflessness, Ivan refuses to be a party to the death of another creature and betrays his master. Vincent shoots Ivan and runs from the cellar. Vincent dies, but not because of the monster. It was actually his maid, Betty, who took Frankenstein's life for failing to heal his ill wife. Lenore, a woman that Betty held great affection for. I'm sorry, hold on. Wasn't Lenore the werewolf woman? Mm -hmm. I swear I read all this before. Maybe it was a different Lenore? Okay. Vincent decides he's going to put Ivan's brain in the monster's body. Ivan decides no, which implies maybe he never bothered to talk to Ivan about this in the first place. In return, Vincent shoots Ivan to death. And then books it. Vincent's maid Betty kills Vincent for failing to heal his ill wife, Lenore. Maybe or maybe not the same Lenore a woman that Betty had affection for. And then the monster wanders off. Okay. Tracks. <laughs> yeah, got it. Realizing that Vincent was not the last of the Frankensteins, as he'd believed, moments before she died, Lenore Frankenstein gave birth to a son, Basil. With no true direction in life, I guess deciding maybe I don't need to murder a baby, 
the monster returns to Switzerland. He finds himself in an encounter with some wild dogs who force the creature to fall from an icy precipice into the cold waters below. Captain Americaning, Captain Americaning it once again, the monster's placed into suspended animation and remains frozen in a block of ice for several decades. <laughs> Maybe Captain America Frankenstein's it? Yeah, right. It does happen twice before Cap is even born. That's that's true. That's true. Found in 1974, although that's a little gonna fall on, probably gonna fall under the timey wimey sliding time mm -hmm. scale that Marcus, not Marcus, that Mac was talking about. I'm a nerd now. Mm -hmm. I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> you were a nerd before, Magic Boy. <laughs> Don't speak of such things. <laughs> Found by a steam freighter, steam freighter several decades on, the monster is thawed out. However, this time it doesn't revive straight away and is taken to a freak show and put on display. He's later found by Derek McDowell, who had become so obsessed with owning the monster that his girlfriend, who didn't believe the monster was real, decided to burn the monster. This burns the woman instead for some reason. But the fire awakens the monster who attempts to escape up a ferris wheel and is shot at by the by the army with a bazooka, Why is falling there... to earth in the rubble of the wheel. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> why is the army at at the circus and why do they have active bazookas? So, man buys no. Circus Frankenstein monster is found. Circus buys Frankenstein monster. Weird presents them in a basically water freak tube show. yeah in a freak show derek decides that he needs to own the monster and uh -huh. his girlfriend being like one the monster's not the real frankenstein frankenstein's not real two gross decides she's going to burn the monster uh -huh. i guess maybe she was just like willy-nillying with the gasoline lights or something herself on fire. lights herself on fire which awakens the monster uh -huh. who then decides to climb the ferris wheel which leads to bazooka's being shot at. Yeah, see, there's a there's a middle <laughs> part that we're missing there. <laughs> there's a lot of parts we're missing there. I didn't know Elon Musk was just out at the fairground trying to buy a weird monster. F falling back into unconsciousness, the monster was brought out of the morgue, was bought out of the morgue, by McDowell, Derek, <laughs> and shipped to Owen Wallach. Derek found that he could control the monster by using electricity and attempts to get use of the monster to bring a fresh body to transfer Wallach's brain. Derek tries... Derek ships the body to Owen. Derek finds that he can control the monster by using electricity, I guess somehow, and attempts to use the monster to get a fresh body to transfer Owen's brain into, since Owen was dying. However, due to the monster's strength, this failed. I guess maybe he crushed the body or whatever. So Derek transfers Owen's brain into the monster's body. Waking up and finding himself in the monster's body, Owen kills Derek and vows to transfer the monster's brain back and find himself a better body. <laughs> Why did you kill? Because you put him in the uggo body. But you're going to need someone else to help you get out of the uggo body. <laughs> He's also, Owen. Do you think Owen wants to wear this grizzly? Actually, I want to wear the grizzly vest, so... <laughs> But then just go the punch grizzly vest is the best. You just gotta go punch your bear to death and use it. See skin. my vest. See my vest. <laughs> it's made from orangutan's chest. <laughs> Owen then murders his nurse, a witness, and throws Derek's body into the river and travels to a circus where his aspect would go unnoticed and finds a male trapeze artist, 
James, whose body he intends to use. His, his appearance startles James's companion's Gretchen, who falls to her death. Owen then knocks out James and takes him to his lab to perform the operation. Once there, he breaks a mice... He broke a mice jail for the sadistic pleasure of seeing the animal suffer. A mice jail? Oh, no. It's, it's just a... Okay. It's just, Does he just, like, crush the entire cage? I assume, but that's just like a pen. <laughs> Owen then starts the automatic transplant to James, which he had developed with Derek's knowledge, but one little mouse had survived his rampage and climbed through James's inert body, unaware of the sabotage it was performing. Once the transplant was done... Owen's brain was physically in the body of the mouse, and the monster Frankenstein was being controlled by an animal. I think they You're, mean the mind, <laughs> not the brain. I was going to say, the mind is in the body of the mouse. Pinky not The, the brain. brain was not physically Pinky in the, the body of the mouse. Oh, a genius. It's a giant Narf. A man named James Sonoda, a.k.a. The Master, was secretly monitoring Owen's lab as he needed the monster's brain and the monster's body. He manipulates the events using voodoo magic. Sonoda resurrects McDowell, Derek, who climbs from the river as a zombie. Believing he was back to get his revenge on Owen, Derek drove the zombie body to the lab. He wanted to extract Owen's brain and isolate it from any stimuli. Once there, he finds technology that Owen intended to use to automate brain transplants and moves his brain from his rotten body to the inert brain of James, a healthy victim of Wallach's plans. But not James Sonoda, the master. This was James the Acrobat Man that they had kidnapped earlier. Okay. When did this become a soap opera? It's a it Marvel comic from the 70s. But when did it become so It always has been. With Derek. <laughs> <laughs> the gun. It always has been. <laughs> he uses this body to capture the monster and then replaces the brain controlling it with the monster's original brain. So it is no longer mouse brain. It is now back the monster brain in the monster body. I would love to see that. Just a okay. mouse brain in Frankenstein's body. It's just like scurrying around Squeak. looking for cheese. <laughs> Squeak. <laughs> However, McDowell discovers that Wallach had, was not the brain controlling it. The monster then wakes up and kills McDowell. So I guess he thought he was putting G uh, Owen's body in the monster, even though earlier he's like, I'm just going to take the brain out. And Anyways, with a Freaky Friday, the brain's for a while. Eventually, he gets his body back in the brain and just kills everyone to make sure this is over. They really could have <laughs> used that formula from that Futurama episode. Yes. Which is awesome, by the by. And in this, in, in this instance, I don't feel bad for him killing absolutely everybody just to get that over with and be like, we're done. <laughs> we're done. I'm not doing this again. No, we're almost done. He just killed Mc uh, Derek, not everyone. With James in the body of Derek and the creature mute due to the fire, James begins to explain his backstory and what has happened to the monster while he was, quote-unquote, absent. As the story comes to a close, the master, so this is second James, begins to control the body of Derek and uses him to bring the monster to his lair before killing James, whom the monster had begun to feel a kinship to. The master requested the monster join him in plans for revenge, but the monster, enraged by the death of his friend, the first James, the monster attacks Sonoda, a.k.a. second James, a.k.a. the master, but was restrained by his minions and chained in a dungeon. Sonoda decided not to use the monster in his plan, in sending instead his other freaks. The freaks succeed at kidnapping Julia... Ooh, I do not remember coming up before in this. 
and chain her to the dungeon next to Frankenstein's monster. Sonoda then tortures Julia, and while doing so, reveals his real face. The freaks were aghast at seeing his normal-looking face and opposed Sonoda, who turned his weapons against the freaks. When Sonoda kills his bent butler Bruno, I guess another hunchback man, the other freaks attack him, as he was beautiful and he had trained them to attack beautiful things. Frankenstein's monster breaks his chains, damaging the dungeon's walls, and causes a collapse that buries Sonoda and his freaks. The monster left with an unconscious Julia in his arms, but when leaving, he was met with by the police, who believed him to be the freak who had kidnapped her. Fearing the police were out to kill the girl the monster fled with her, through the forest, the city, and even a zoo, until the girl wakes up and fears the monster himself and flees in terror. I'm sure that comic kind of makes sense when you read it, mm -hmm. but I'm giving it kind of at best. Also, the word bent nowadays means angry, so I just imagine this is angry butler. <laughs> <laughs> Later, the monster finds himself on a train and meets a girl who didn't find a monstrous to look at. The pair attempted to foil an assassination attempt on the president. However, it's revealed that the president wasn't on the train, and as the monster took his leave with the girl still aboard, the train was blown up and the girl was killed. <laughs> what is going on? Once again, I have these tried to make these stories make sense. I've tried. Yes, shot bazooka and foiled the presidential assassin. <laughs> Finding himself at a costume party, the monster became interested in a woman dressed as a princess. However, later in the evening, the woman's husband kills her and frames the monster. Killing the husband in revenge, the monster escapes into the night, sad at the loss of another who did not run from him. So far... Everyone but the president has died, mostly because the president <laughs> wasn't actually there. Also, I'm pretty sure writing a comment where you says that the president would be frowned upon in that time. <laughs> At some point, the monster was temporarily pulled out of time to serve in Kang the Conqueror's Legion of the Unliving to fight the Avengers. Fair. However, due to the fact that he was not dead, but the bodies he was made of were, he's able to resist the mind control and wanders off from the rest of the group. <laughs> so he's not actually dead. He's just made from dead things, so he's not completely controlled like the rest of the Legion of the Unliving he just was. just walks off. He's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> there he discovers Donald Blake and attacks him, forcing Blake to turn into Thor. So he just attacks an adventure anyways, but like... On his terms. Yeah. <laughs> the two fight until Thor realizes the monster was also a prisoner and lets him wander off again. The monster later discovers the badly damaged body of the Vision and carries him to the Human Torch. He proceeds to protect the injured Avenger from attacks by both Wonder Man and Kang until the Legion was returned to their correct time, which in the monster's case was presumably before he was frozen a second time. So this is a earlier version of the monster. Okay. Getting back to the modern-day monster, the monster heads to Los Angeles, hearing about the Brotherhood of Balls experiments in soul transference. But all like the god, Demon. not just balls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I assume Look, that's there's what it no was. way to say the brotherhood of balls. <laughs> it's Ball. not. This is the dirtiest episode we've ever recorded. Again, they are zombies. <laughs> he wanted to transfer his soul into a new human body, and they told him that that could be done once they performed a ritual sacrifice that just happened to involve Lissa Russell as the victim. Lisa, L-I-S-S-A, who is the sister of Werewolf by Night. Lisa's brother interrupted the ceremony as the werewolf by night, leading the monster to fight him, eventually knocking him out and letting the cultists take the werewolf as a replacement sacrifice. Before they could deliver the killing stroke, however, the monster caught on that the soul transfer was only meant to allow a demon to possess his body, so he turns on the Brotherhood together with the werewolf. And they beat up the Ball brothers. <laughs> 
was right there. Now, this part is confusing, you know, as opposed to everything else I've said. But it's, like, timeline confusing. Okay. The next time we see him, we find out that he had been befriended by Ulysses Bloodstone and had been living in Ulysses' mansion, acting as his caretaker and calling himself Adam. I don't know if this was intended to be the same Frankenstein or if in that series they hadn't realized that there was a Frankenstein's monster. Mm -hmm. It was just they were being goofy. We'll read the story in a couple of weeks, actually. And by the way, the Adam was Ulysses Buds was Frankenstein's monster who was Ulysses Bloodstone's caretaker. Butler. Mm-hmm. After Ulysses' death, Adam, a.k.a. the monster, gives Ulysses' daughter, Elsa Bloodstone, the Bloodstone Choker, and a new costume, and joins her on numerous adventures fighting beings such as Dracula and Encanto the Living Mummy. <laughs> Skipping forward to The Serpent's War, which is a major crossover from about ten years ago, Frankenstein's monster forms a team called the Fearsome Four with She-Hulk, Howard the Duck, and Nighthawk to stop the Man-Thing who found himself driven into an uncontrollable rage caused by the immense levels of fear generated by the serpent's hammer wielders across the world. The serpent, we mentioned this last time, is the uncle of Mm -hmm. Thor and had given various other people enchanted angry mallets instead of Mjolnir's. Is it Bors? Bors Coulson? Something like that? Mm. Borson? Bor is Odin and and the serpent's father. Oh, that's right, right. Okay, so it'd be Cole Borson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, facing alternate universe heroes and the Psycho Man, brought to Earth by the Man-Thing's connection to the nexus of all realities, the four were eventually able to confront their own fears and calm the Man-Thing, bringing an end to his rampage and saving the world before going their separate ways. The next time we see Frank, he is leading something known as the Murder Circus, searching down the last of the Frankensteins. Again. This one... Is it just him with a bunch of Juggalos? <laughs> I kind of hope so. The murder circus. <laughs> it was mostly just in a bunch of old school like circus freaks. And Deadpool. Juggalos would have been so much funnier. He was trying to search down Maximilian von Katzenbolgen, who is really the last of the Frankensteins. So he didn't kill him when he was a baby, but now that he's old enough, he's going to kill him. This is a different one. Also, Maximilian is a member of... He is a, he is a kid. But he is a member of the... Uh, um, Kids that it's okay to kill society? Basically. The, the, oh my god, they're the uh, X-Men villains that dress like Victorians. Oh. Um, Hellfire. Sorry, yeah, the Hellfire Club. Club. They were uh, a bunch of evil kids took over the Hellfire Club. <laughs> Uh, including the last of the Frankenstein's like to help movie. take down the uh, last of the Frankenstein's. The murder circus brainwashes the members of the gene school faculty, including storm, Iceman, beast and Wolverine uh, to help kill this kid. I don't think he's going to survive. <laughs> He does, but only because they break the uh, brainwashing. Shoot. Frankenstein's monster is later seen again, recruited by Phil Coulson to join his incarnation of the Howling Commandos in order to battle Dormammu's mindless plague. Makes sense. That's one of the few things you've said so far that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that version... Well, I, I mean, it was just four people. Frankenstein's monster, the living mummy, the zombie, and the man thing. And, and Phil. 
Right. And that is the terrible undead stories, because I guess Marvel's just not very good at these. <laughs> I mean, look. I'm sure there's a, a lot, lot of, of characters that are technically undead in Marvel. These were just kind of the the um, biggest of the big undead. Yes, 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 yes. And the chicken man. Jeez. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about Marvel Zombies 3 and 4. So, really, the important part of reading this was Marvel Zombies 4, because it actually involves the stuff we care about. But we had to read Marvel Zombies 3, because they really are connected. You can skip 1 and 2 for the most part. I think I liked 3 better. I liked 4 so much better, but that's fair. Although 3 was missing Man-Thing. Yes. It did make... He was so cute. <laughs> the main two thoughts I had from this. One, I kind of wish we had read this... After our Elsa Bloodstone episode, even though it wouldn't have made any sense with, like, how we're going through stuff, where we'll read Next Wave Agents of Hate, which shows why Machine Man is now a beer-obsessed, angry murder robots. Yeah, that was really funny how into beer he was. Yes, it, it, it's a thing in Next Wave. Also, he's effective at murdering people. Also thanks to Next Wave, because before that, he was kind of a, like, almost Silver Surfer-like, like... Cosmic thoughts about humanity character. Mm. And then he, in the end of one of his stories, is goes off with the Celestials to learn the deeper meaning of the universe. And we find out in Next Wave that they sent him back to Earth because he was a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. That's pretty good. It's actually just four X's, so I'm going with because all the other words we can't say on this podcast. <laughs> The other thing is this mostly just reminded me how much I friggin' love Damon Hellstrom, Son of Satan. He's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I will say, this is the most effective Morbius has ever been. Agreed. And that is including the time he spent tied up in his own room. <laughs> For a week. <laughs> <laughs> Even taking that... He did not attempt to inject anyone with bat blood or vampire blood. Instead he or Spider-Man blood. Instead he shot them with syringes that turned them into a cloud of death. Still yeah. more effective than most of so his So he's plans. still not good at the science. <laughs> no. And then Damien Hellstrom's like, okay, what do we do next? And he's like, I don't know, I don't have the science. So I was like, you never had the science, Morpheus. You just came up with this on the fly. He is a bad designer drug dealer. I am like a scientist creator. at heart. Are you, though? Evil him almost was more effective before he bit people. <laughs> Whoops, time to bite. I will say as much as... Okay, actually, kind of two things here. One, as annoyed as I am, it does. it is just kind of right to have him as a member of the Midnight Suns. Like, there's something that makes sense about it. Two, he's like, it's time to reform the Midnight Suns. And then none of the characters in the background had ever been a son before right. that. Like, I mean, Damien Hellstrom is a good addition always. Uh, Werewolf by Night's fine. Werewolf by Night is a good addition to any monster team you're going to have, even if he's got his kind of, like, bro-y death wish thing going mm -hmm. on here. I'm happy as he's plastered on screen. That's not happy, my guy. <laughs> That's You're very sad inside. You know, Jennifer Kale doing sure. her thing. <laughs> Look, she's actually, she's a capable I, sorceress. She's trained by Takim. This book is the first time we have ever heard mention of the witches anywhere. I was about to say, I laughed center. 
so hard when they were doing the character interactions, and you suddenly had Jennifer Kale of the witches, and, and then I'm Topaz like, is the one that she does her thing to. What? <laughs> <laughs> that frame where she blows up that window full of the the fishmen, and Damon's like, "Huh, <laughs> I'm into it." Kind <laughs> of turned on right now. I'm Damon Hellstrom, son of Satan. You just murdered in front of me. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This definitely had, like, 90s energy to it. Yeah, there's... I mean, these are all really good creators in the creative teams. I was a big fan. I also love that it turns out there is a secret, more secret than S.H.I.E.L.D., led by a forgettable Darkhawk villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Portal. I was about to say, isn't that Dark... Oh, Portal. No, that makes sense. Portal, okay. a.k.a. I want to say Charles Little Sky. I don't remember yeah, the first name Little the top Sky. of my head who was a teleporter, possibly not from our dimension, who wore various stuff he stole and a Darkhawk helmet. Mm. So I will say, I think part of the reason I lean towards liking three over four is because the covers are all Evil Dead references. It's super cool. True. I just dig the Midnight Suns, man. Like... Also, I thought it was more interesting in the Marvel Universe because, as we've discussed, I find the Marvel Zombies Universe entirely uninteresting. I, I recognize I it's like, popular and that I am the minority there. I don't want stories set for a long time in there, but I feel like this and like the Old Man Logan mm -hmm. solo series when it crossed over with Secret Wars kind of did it best, where it was just like one or two issues where you can go all out. Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies was a fun one. I will give it that. I want to know what happened to the guys who ate the Silver Surfer and then just pieced off the planet. They're like, eh, and they just left. Oh, they ate Galactus, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you would have to read the other Marvel Zombies stuff. I think they come back to the planet in Marvel Zombies Return, but I just picked the books that would actually relate to what we were talking who about. Who was it all that pieced out? Did they actually say, or did they just, just say showed, a few of them? It showed four people. I know it's... Spider-Man is one of them. Okay. I want to say Hank Pym's another one, but I could be wrong. How do you eat Silver Surfer? You are part of a very popular comic book that just needs to up itself every time. Also, you your original series is written by Robert Kirkman, best known for writing The Walking Dead. But he's made of metal. On the outside. I mean, no he's not, but the power cosmic would kind of stop the whole... It's a bad series, man. I'll stand to buy that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love it, but just like I had so many questions. I saw that panel. I'm like, no. <laughs> How is this? Mm, I'm like, don't like this. I'm doing calculations in my head. I'm looking out my living room window for a second. I'm like, yes, it's also no. been implied that no, it's not been implied. It's been straight up said that Galactus is not actually a giant man in boy shorts that eats planets. Mm. That's just how we translate him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious in itself. Later Mostly on, the he got boy pants. shorts. Later on, he got pants. But in those early appearances, I'm pretty sure he's wearing shorts. He just hungry. I hunger. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I admit, I found the bit of Kingpin being like, what? I stress I, eat. I, and then he's just eating his wife. That was a well-delivered line. It was. That was some of the better dark humor in this. Yep. I overall really enjoyed them both. It's just that it's Marvel Zombies. Like, yeah. there's it's not. It's a silly. decent. Honestly, 
action horror isn't that easy to do. It works a lot better in a medium like comics, so this was actually a pretty decent action horror. Um, they had some panels with good facial um, expression. I uh, like when Kale was like, when she's had that flashback when all the zombies came out in the base, and she's like, I curled up in the corner and freaked out. I was like, That's oh. fair, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And the, what was it, the beginning of the third one when whatever that cyborg tur- got turned to a zombie, and then his cyborg self was like, No. <laughs> Himself. That's the thing I was gonna bring up. Not the, <laughs> I don't know who the cyborg was, but at that team, mm-hmm. uh, Wondar the Aquarian is the Superman analog that found Man Thing and thought that was his mother right. because Gerber brought him back. And I'm pretty sure the random conquistador that it said discovered was. the Fountain of Youth, I think, was also from that Gerber Man Thing he, run. It was, and when he got ripped apart, the Fountain of Youth was coming out of his blood because <laughs> he couldn't get infected, so they just ripped him apart. Weird side character, but he pops up in like 20 panels. I kind of wish Captain Mexica didn't look just like Captain, Captain America, America with but with. Yeah. Cliffs. I was thinking that I wanted to see more of him, and I don't know if he's from another story or if he just happened to. Yeah, I have no idea either. But I, I'm Earth fifteen nineteen, where the Aztec Empire never fell. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Also, Morbius is sassy. <laughs> Stakes himself, and the robot guy's like, "You're going to be in therapy for that for the rest of your life." And then he's like, "I saved the world." And Morbius is like, "Good for you. <laughs> I don't care." When you say the robot guy, do you mean Machine Man? No, it was that cyborg in the very first. Oh, right. The, I, yeah. mm-hmm. I wanted to say Deathlock, but I was like, that's not Deathlock. He's not Deathlock. I don't think Deathlock was a chauvinist. Although, <laughs> I will say, they made fun of everything Jennifer Kale wore during this. Like, oh, the chainmail bikini. Oh, it was so bad. That original chainmail bikini design is better than every single costume she wears across these. Yeah. I and Kev Walker's a good artist. He'll do the Warren Ellis Moon Knight run in a couple years after this. But like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you can pull out an example, but I have yet to see a Jennifer Kale outfit that I care about. Yeah, no, I'm not saying there is. Yeah. I'm saying the chainmail bikini, chain is, bikini is the least bad of the bad. is the best of the options. Yeah, I hate it. It fits the sword and sorcery motif. Is the defense I will give it, but, but it's better than the flesh bikini. Which is what she had. At the I end was of so four. torn between like, what did you expect? Giving power to Dormammu, I know. to have him turn, and also like, in fairness, that what was a do? bad situation. Yeah. But like, I'm here to save you. Just say my name, and I'll give you the power. And by give you the power, I mean possess you and take over the whole thing. What up? I'm Dormammu. Dormammu. <laughs> I think the reason I enjoyed four was because every we have read about every one of these characters with the exception of the hood who I've read about mm. elsewhere and we will be reading about. So I was it it's one of those books where I was able to team up various like hey I remember that like from across the run of this podcast. Zombies came out of Florida. That makes sense. <laughs> Nexus of all realities. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hood showed up. I was like, where's my 1-6? Same. <laughs> where's the demon? <laughs> oh, Marvel Snap. Okay. <laughs> that The games ruined my reading of comics. Same. It's okay. I but saw... also enhanced it because I'll run into characters and be like, hmm. I know you. 
Or, no, or not just that, like, hmm, what could you do in the future? Will you be in one of my decks? Robot guy fighting in Fisk's zombie house gets pulled into the basement by Medusa and rips Medusa in half. I'm like, you weren't in the middle zone, were you? <laughs> okay. Um... Oh, I also laughed really hard at Zombie Black Bolt not shutting the F up. <laughs> that was pretty good. Fred Van Lente is, falls under one of those incredibly talented writers who isn't like superstar, but anytime I'm like, oh, he wrote it. I'm sure it's going to be good. He will come up quite a bit in, well, not he, stuff he made will come up quite a bit when we eventually get to Hercules. Yeah. I think the only person who had a semi-good time during this entire incident was Headpool? Headpool and Deadpool Damon Hellstrom, son of Satan. He was just like, I just wanted to take a break from whatever I was doing in hell. I mean, <laughs> this is normal for me. <laughs> this is a great time. <laughs> you, we need you help kill zombies. You mean revenants? <laughs> That's what they are. So now Psy just has zombie plague locked inside him? Yep. I don't know if that's been mentioned since. We don't talk about it. He doesn't talk about it. I mean, Simon doesn't come up a lot. But he's just walking around with a potentially world-ending zombie plague locked inside him. And he was recruited to help stop Dormammu. So Dormammu would be like, Sweet! (laughs) You guys brought my plague back to me. (laughs) (laughs) I lost that. (laughs) I really was surprised how much I enjoyed Headpool and... uh, Simon together because I mean Deadpool I enjoy but in like limited amounts and the zombie head of Deadpool hanging out and talking I was like (laughs) but reading this went oh crap okay that's really fine I have heard nothing but memes and references to Deadpool for years so I'm happy I was finally able to read something with him in it to kind of get a taste of what was going on we were talking about it before we will do a Deadpool episode somehow I'm not sure yet because I'm not going to go through the full history of Deadpool in a Magic in the Marvel Universe section mm-hmm. but between marrying the Demon Queen Shikla and being the King of the Monsters and he sent a lot of stuff stuff like that and just the existence of Headpool uh <laughs> It, we, we have to talk about it some. I just haven't figured mm-hmm. out the details of that episode yet. I mean, in one universe, he's also a Midnight Sun. The game universe. I know. Still mad it's not coming out for the Switch. Yeah, you should be. You're gonna make me have to buy a new system. Great game. Great game. It's a good game. And just on point with all the characters. I know I've said it so many times, but they killed it. it they really did. Really good job. I don't got much here. It's it was pretty straightforward. The characters we were talking about is yeah. Uh, next time we will be covering Legion, the Legion of Monsters, which is really just kind of our wrap up of various amphibians and Ninkantu and Ninkantu the living mummies and monsters that are not important enough to get their own episode. Uh, that is Legion of Monsters Volume Two, issues one through four. If you are looking it up and get confused. Uh, well, that's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the nightly game of... Man, I don't know. I'm going to get sleep. I don't care what y'all play. It is nap time, yes. I think the nightly game of Go, the 
to sleep. Start soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Noob Island. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.